Okay, welcome to the Spotlight with Sean O'Rourke. I am back with Stu. Make sure you follow us on social media. Check out all the comments section below uh, and the description for all the links to my Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Today, Stu and I are going to be chumming it up, talking about Universal Studios and their feud with AMC. We're going to talk about rumors with uh, the Joker possibly showing up in Matt Reeves' The Batman. We got Frank Grillo, who's going to be throwing in the towel on Marvel films in the future. Snyder Cut, Netflix, Space Force, Cancel Culture, Bill and Ted's excellent whatever the hell it is right now. Trailer just dropped. Let's get right to it. So it looks like the feud is over. AMC and Universal have uh, put the gloves down. I, you know, I said this. I said that this was all just either a negotiating tactic or some sort of BS because the Fast and the Furious franchise, that last one did like $1.3 or something like right. that. There's no way Universal is not going to want when, next spring when they or summer when they release because they kicked down the release date for um, Fast and Furious, the fate, whatever it's called. I don't even know. <laughs> all, the, all the little catchphrases. And I was like, they're not going to want to miss getting into the largest theater chain in the country, AMC, all those screens. And so I knew that was all a bunch of bloviating because they were trying to figure out probably like what the percentage was going to be. Uh, because I have a funny feeling a lot of these theater chains, because they're going to be cash strapped, they're going to try to renegotiate these contracts uh, with, you know, with with all the net with all the net um, the studios. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I'm kind of conflicted on this one because I tend to err on the side of the studios over the presenters, the AMC, because, and I think my biggest thing is no one is saying we should get rid of theaters. I think the big thing was we want more delivery options because not everyone wants to go to the theater. And that's great that people do want to go to the theater. I like going to some movies in the theater, but there's a lot... I would be happy to watch at home and I'd be happy to pay the $20 to watch it at home. And so I, I yeah. think that's the thing, just giving people more options. And when theater chains are trying to protect their sort of, you know, thing, um, I knew they were going to lose cause they need movies. I mean, they need, some, they both need each other, but I think they, the theaters need the movies more, the, you know, the theater or the productions than they do like, anything else because that's their whole revenue whereas you know if they make a movie they can release it on video on demand you know they'll make it on overseas you yeah know? so there's more revenue models for them whereas the theater only has that one so they kind of put themselves in a stupid situation instead of being like how can we work together to make sure we walk both walk away getting something positive out of this and they didn't seem they just seemed to like put their foot in the sand and be like if you do that we're going to not put your movies in here, which was dumb. We're not going to put your movie. I know. I know. It's stupid. Stupid. And then, and so then AMC, it looks like, um, as long as they get up and running by July, mm -hmm. uh, they won't go bankrupt. Cause it, there was a, they had posted their last quarter was like over $2 billion in the, in the, in the red. And, uh, you know, there were rumors flying around that Amazon might buy them or something to that effect. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh no, if we get open in time, <laughs> yeah, we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you think maybe they were crying foul to try to get some sort of government bailout? I mean, it could be, I mean, who knows what happens behind the scenes and what, you know, public persona they put out to like, you know, you're always, 
when it comes to companies, I always, you know, I don't always take them at face value because you know, there's a lot, it's what they want the public to see or to get on their side or, you know, whatever. So I tend to be a little more cautious and look for other sources when I, um, see stuff from companies, you know, don't, don't take everything just from what the company says is the way I look at it. Do you think maybe they were doing that to scare people to feel bad for them to rush to the theaters once they open up again Well, to try to support I them? Think, I mean, I think that's kind of like, cause there are a lot of people who enjoy going to the theater and if you get, I yeah, do, I mean, I do too for, especially the big movies like a fast and the furious. Yeah. I would watch that in the theater. And I think it was just sort of them like trying to strong arm their, you know, position to the, but again, it was dumb because like, okay, we won't put our movies in your theater that hurts you more than it hurts us like at the end of the day. So, well, let me ask, let me ask you this during this whole COVID-19 crisis, have you, uh, paid, you know, 1999 full price for any movie that's been released on VOD? No, cause they haven't put out anything I want to watch. Most of it's been garbage. It would have probably not done well in the theaters anyway. Um, what, what, I mean, you think the Scooby-Doo movie, I heard the Scooby-Doo movie made bad. Well, that's a different demo. I'm a, I'm not a kid. I don't really care about Scooby. Right. Right. They were probably having kid screenings in people's houses, sleepovers, spreading the COVID-19 and then, uh, uh, everybody watches Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that like the kids movies are a no brainer because again, I think like we've talked about before, it's very expensive for a family to go to the movies because, it's expensive yeah. to get in and then all the concessions. That's a lot of money. Uh, and lot especially of money. with everything going on with a lot of people not working for three months, they can't afford to do that. You know, where they have an option to pay 20 bucks and their whole family can watch it. That's going to be a no brainer. So, yeah, I mean like we, you and I both managed movie theaters years ago in the nineties. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we remember like, uh, the, the concessions are, financially like outrageously priced because like what we would do is you remember when we used to work for Carmack cinemas, which AMC bought out all 1200 Carmack yeah. cinemas and every night you'd have to count the inventory yeah, cups and bags and cups <laughs> yeah. and bags because they paid nothing for like the Coke boxes, the, a box mm -hmm. of Coke hooks up to the soda. And then, you know, they paid like nothing for that because just for Coke to have the brand in all of the theaters, yeah. they pay, pay, like pay. It's almost like the syrup is free. Yeah. Um, and then like, so basically you inventoried all your cups and bags. So I remember the small cups. Now this was back in 95, maybe yeah. 96, a case of small cups had 1200 cups in it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to do some math here. And so you'd have a case of 1200 cups. And I remember this was back in 1996 as a manager, our cost for the case of cups was $22 and some change. So let's so we'll do the quick math on that, on this one, 1200 times 22. Is that right? 1200 times 20, 20 no divided yeah. by 22. Is it, what am I? Is you're, that what I'm trying to do? Guy, do I'm not, I'm not the best. I'm not 1200 divided by 22. There. Oh no, I, I got yeah. it. I got it. I'm no, and you don't have to edit this either because I'm trying to do this right. So it was 1200 cups times 375, which was a small right, drink. I remember. 
back then equals four thousand five hundred dollars. Or was that a small popcorn? I thought small drinks were two twenty five or two fifty, and they went up in quarter well, increments. Yeah. Well, it did. It always went yeah. up every year in a quarter quarter increments. Let's say right now, if you go to the to the store and you get, or you go to the theater and you go get a small drink, it's three seventy five. Oh, it's more Let's than that now. That. Like if I go to the theater today, it's like five something. At least up in DC, okay. it's like five something. So. So let so let's just stick with the numbers I had. So we had twelve hundred cups in a in a case right. times three seventy five is four thousand five hundred dollars profit off the twenty two dollar investment. The coke and the soda water is basically free yeah. because they do the marketing to get in there to brand in there. So depending on the theater, you have Pepsi products or you have Coca Cola products. They that's branding. Right. They 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 contribute that. Now, I think it worked out to be something like fifteen cents. It only costs fifteen cents to fill up one cup of soda, right. whether it's small, medium, or large. It's fifteen cents. So, the way the movie theaters make their money is they charge exorbitant amounts of money for um, concessions. Uh, concessions because they don't make money off the ticket price. Not a lot. Because obviously yeah. all the, not yeah. a lot. It's something like, I think it was like 10 cents off the the ticket price for the first two weeks. And then the second two weeks, it's 20 cents. And then the, the second set of, or the third set of two weeks, it goes to 30 cents and so on and so on. That's why they came up with the idea to build 16 plex movie theaters because they used to just have four plexes right. and two plexes. But you couldn't make money off the ticket price until the movie moved from the center screens, the larger screens, all the way to the ends right. where you were making the most amount of money a month in of a screening for the ticket ticket price. Now, that's some movie math right there, or <laughs> yeah. you know, movie theater math that I haven't thought about in years. But it's one of those deals. And I remember when Sony, uh, uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, they they renegotiated the ticket price and like set everyone nuts. They wanted something like 85% like opening weekend. And it was like unheard of at the time or something right. They flipped out. Do you remember when all that went I down? I vaguely remember that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, cause I remember that's been whenever I've had to explain to people is theaters make all their money off concession. They make almost no money off of the box office. And that's why your popcorn costs like eight bucks or whatever. Now, yeah, yeah, because you have to all your payroll, yeah. your power and light bill, everything comes off of the concessions. Yeah, and then I remember reading a like a report uh, at the end of a fiscal year for Carmike Cinemas, twelve hundred cinemas all in the southeast. Years ago, they don't exist anymore, and and this was a stellar year when we had like Independence Day, the original Mission yeah. Impossible. Um, uh, there were just huge movies after huge movies that summer. And I think Carmike cinemas only profited $20 million after tw 1200 theaters, right. 1200 screens. And they only profited $20 million after all bills were paid. And that really was nothing because the box office that year was huge. Right. It was ridiculously huge. So anyway, I'm, I went off on a, in a rabbit hole there with the, with Carmack cinemas. But you know, we, we, we talk about those days a lot because yeah. we, we had a lot of fun back then, yeah. uh, managing movie theaters years ago. And, um, uh, and you know, I still have friends that work, uh, you know, part-time and stuff like that. It's at some of the theaters. I've got friends that are managers of theaters now. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I, I, I hope 
that things get back to normal soon because those guys really need to get back to work. Yeah. And I, I want to see stuff on the big screen again. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll wear a mask. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put a straw underneath <laughs> the mask if I need to get my drink in, yeah. you know, I'll do, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I it's not one of my, one of my things, uh, that I, that I ever worry about. Did you hear about the Joker? I did not. Being in the new. Yes. Okay. I don't know anything so, new I, about the Joker. Before we go about, about the Joker, I wanted to do a shout out to my friend, Mark McCoy. You know, Mark. Oh yeah. He listens to the show. He listens to the show and he's always texting me after it airs. And he's oh, but what about this? Or what about this? And, <laughs> Great guy. And uh, he also uh, does custom 3D printing. Amazing and stuff. And he made Amazing it. stuff. Yeah. He does amazing. Yeah. So he, so, so I have a Dodge Avenger mm -hmm. and I wanted like a logo for it, like, like the Avengers logo yeah. to put on it. And he 3D printed and I, I still have ah. to, um, I still have to get these, you know, I got to, I got to polish them up and, and then spray paint them black. But they cause my car is white. Yeah. But I got these to go on the on the doors. That's rad. So I I'm totally stoked about that. I wanted to just thank Mark. Um, he's a, he's always a gentleman, and uh, is oh he's always got your back, yeah. man. He's those one. He's that one guy you can always depend on. Um, I've got other friends uh, like my friend Barrett that is very unreliable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh God. I don't know. I know he listens. So I, I just wanted to throw him under the bus a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And you know, okay. And, so getting for, back just for Barrett, you know, they killed Starbuck. Just, I know he'll laugh when he hears it, but I can't believe they killed Starbuck. <laughs> it's an inside uh, joke between him and I. So if he's listening, he'll get it. Okay. Okay. Um, the Joker apparently is going to be in the new Matt Reeves Batman, but it's a, a whole new Joker. So the whole thing with Joaquin Phoenix and sequels with him and maybe tying him into the universe at some point or something, not going to happen. They're casting a new person as Joker. And that's the rumor. And you know how this is with these superhero film rumors. They, you know, they, they either have weight to them or they don't. Right. And so, you know, it, it looks like that, that this might be something solid and we may have an announcement coming soon on a new Joker. What, first of all, like the first thing that popped in my, I couldn't think of anyone that could play him. I mean, I, again, it's hard to follow Heath Ledger and I think, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job because it was such a, a more, I always used to say I, what I dug about the Heath Ledger's Joker was it was more realistic, but I think with what they did in Joker was if someone really was mentally ill, this is what it would look like. So I do think for authenticity, that's probably what a Joker would be like in real life. The Joaquin Phoenix Joker. But Exa yeah, I agree. I agree. And I waited a long time before I finally saw that movie streaming. I didn't go see it in the theater because I didn't want to buy into the hype right. and then get disappointed. And everybody was like, it's good. And you know me, I always, it, you know, it's a rip off of yeah. a couple of different Scorsese films. And yeah, I mean, uh, as a realistic depiction of the Joker, it was good as a comic book fan. I'm not I didn't love it, you know, because I'd rather see something. That's where I feel like Nolan walked that line perfectly where it grounded it in reality, but it still felt fantastical. Like, you know, like 
yeah, someone could do this, but it probably never happened. And they go a little beyond what is probably realistic in some of that. But it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was like a fun movie. And Heath Ledger was magic in that movie. And so and we yeah. saw with Jared Leto, like that was just for me a miss. Like I hated the whole whatever look that was going for. And see, for me, I feel like with Jared Leto, um, we needed to give that time to breathe and see where it was going to go. Yeah, true. And uh, even though the look was weird, but the tattoos, it's like he was basically, he cameoed in one movie. Right. Right? He was barely in Suicide Squad. And, like, for me, I needed more to see what Jared Leto was going to do. And, unfortunately, it didn't go that way, and now he's doing Morbius. Yeah. You know, with Sony Marvel. You won't see him do that again, so... Yeah, he won't be coming back for Joker, which is a yeah. shame because it would have been. And, and if we ever get the airs cut of Suicide Squad, maybe we'll get. Uh, I know they're all talking about that now, <laughs> but I doubt that's going to happen. Even the, the people at HBO Max said it wasn't going to happen either. Well, because no one um, really wants that. Everyone was wanting. No, everyone no. knew there was a version of the Justice League that existed or somewhat that was shot that you know needed to be finished. And especially as bad as Justice League turned out being, you know, everyone to see, well, let's see what this guy actually had in mind when he did all of it, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the and that that leads me to something else I want to talk about. Um, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, when it when Joss Whedon was hired to do the uh, reshoots for Justice League, I didn't realize there's reports out now that he shot. 80 pages. <laughs> now we all know feature film scripts are 93 pages and above. So he literally, I had no idea because like I kept trying, you know, you, you heard during the whole battle sequence right. at the end that um, all they did was change the tint from gray to red so that it wasn't so dark and that he only added the stuff with Superman and the little race at the end with the flash and all this kind of stuff. And the thing in the beginning with them, the whole mustache gate um, but no, dude, 80 pages, that's a lot. I mean, that's almost the whole movie. So clearly they yeah, shot so what they're saying, the whole movie. <laughs> and, and and so what they're saying is they're, we are going to be so shocked at how much of the Snyder cut exists. And how different it will be from if the they, final product. And how different it's going to be from the, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And not just the color. Obviously, even Zack Snyder said they're going back with the color to his dark colors. Right. But then you saw, he put out the little thing, a little picture with a dark side, you know, yeah. uh, uh, of what he looked like and, and a couple of things. And so, you know, it's got me really interested and I really, if it's a series and it's six parts, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens. I mean, I say Zack Snyder is one of the biggest cases of studio, messing that i'm aware of or have seen the results of where you had a guy with a vision and then they kept messing with it and then it kept messing up the end product because again like we've said in the other podcast with batman versus superman the snyder cut if you want to call it or the extended version is a way better movie i still don't love what he did with superman but i understand how he got there because of that and then because of all the extra right. scenes with superman and like the theater where he was being a reporter like researching everything. Well, you understood by the end of the movie, why he was so against Batman and why he was kind of going darker, darker than I think he should have gone, you know, to fight against Batman. Um, But 
it makes sense. And when you watch it in the theater, you're like, what the fuck just happened? I just watched Man of Steel and got this version of Superman. And then I get here. Hope. Yeah, more hopeful. Hope. I mean, it's even breaking down the yeah. S on his chest is the symbol for hope in Kryptonian. And it's like, how do we go from that to a dude willing to kill someone to save his mom? Like, he's Superman. <laughs> you know, it's like... You know, you can find her, you can circle the earth in like a couple seconds. I think you can find your mom somewhere, you know? So it was just one of those. Well, and then, I mean, and then we've, you know, we've all, you know, I, although it was the Brian Singer version, but when, you know, when Brandon Routh would fly up into space, he could hear all the voices. Right. And then he would zone in on something that he needed to go save and rescue. Right. You know, he would pick and choose his battles and, you know, did he have that kind of, uh, effect. Uh, did, did, did Henry Cavill Superman, would, could he hear shit like that too? I'm sure. Is that a comic book thing? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, yeah. It's so how could hearing. he have not known where his mother was? But the, the moment you know? for me where I was just like, I can't Matt, And it, like, I can't see Superman doing this was when like, right when he was like flying off from Lois after he rescued her from him, he's like, I might have to kill him. <laughs> You know, fly it off. It's like, what? <laughs> like, that's the last thing Superman usually says. Like, come on. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I was kind of like, this sucks, like, because of that. But again, like, I appreciated it more, at least how he got there by watching the extended version. So I feel like with Zack Snyder, again, I might not completely love his version of Superman. I still want to see what he had envisioned for it at the end of the day. Well, also because you know they you know they did the the uh, the nightmare sequence with uh Batman in the desert gear yeah. and everything and that alluded to a lot of right. stuff that like never came to flourish yeah. um and is that stuff going to be in this Snyder's cut Yeah like with the parademons all flying around and like them holding Batman Yeah, yeah like that's the the thing I was wondering is, was that more of the part two? Cause I, m I remember initially justice league was going to be split into two parts and, it and was. Uh, the Steppenwolf was going to be in the first movie and then dark side or was going to show up in the second movie. So it's interesting to see like that whole parademon scene. If was that in the second part, because I are, I guess we are going to see dark side or whatever, or seed or whatever. Yeah. Dark seed, dark side. I, I don't know how they. I've been calling them dark side forever, but I, I don't. Some people say it differently. So dark seed, yeah. whatever. I mean, the eye and the ear flipped around or whatever to be cool. Yeah. And wait, and and wasn't it? Um, wasn't dark dark seed, dark side? He came before Thanos in Marvel, right? Like, like, like Marvel like copied their version of their guy. I honestly, Isn't that how it went out? Well, the whole um, crisis on Infinite Earths was what started the whole thing, like the whole multi-comic like event, and and DC just did that so they could clean the slate because they had so much. Because when they were uh, polling readers, they were basically saying they don't. The reason why they don't get into comics is because there's so much history that they don't have the time to like try, especially back in the day or before comic books became really a big thing and was kind of counterculture a long time ago. Cause you were a nerd if you're wearing a, cause when I was in high school wearing Spider-Man shirt, I was a nerd, you know? So yeah, it's, now yeah. it's cool. Everyone wears them. But so it's like the crisis on infinite earths. It was the whole point of that was to clean their slate because people were, you know, it was hard for people to get into the comic books because they couldn't read all these back issues to get caught up. 
and they had all these sort of over the years, different writers came in and created alternate realities and all this. So the crisis on infinite earth, infinite earth was looked at as a way to sort of clean house, unify all the multiverses into one and then kind of go from there as sort of a reboot of the whole DC universe. And that did so well. It took them a year. It was like over one year they released it. So people like reading the comics had to wait almost a full year for that whole storyline to play out. And when it was over, oh, wow. it changed everything. And so Marvel took notice of that. And then that's when the Infinity Gauntlet became a thing, you know, because then and then you started doing the kind of multi-series event things to clean house a little bit too. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the thing with Thanos, but I don't really remember his origin so much. So I don't know if they copied who copied who in that scenario. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, I guess like one superhero franchise has to have a bad guy that no one else can touch like Thanos and like dark side or dark seed, however you say his name. And, um, I think I've always said dark seed when I was a kid. I mean, it could be that I, I don't know. Cause when I read stuff in comic books, like that was a thing when I was growing up, I'd read it in a comic book and however I thought it sounded in my head is what it was. And now it's like, you have YouTube right now, and everything. Now it's all explained yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, You're wrong. Um, You're wrong. That's not how you say it. I'm like, all right, I'm not my bad. Well, you know, either way, I think I'm, I'm really, really interested in seeing now more than ever, um, the Snyder cut. And then, you know, what's funny is people are saying, don't be surprised if you're let down. Like, see, this whole thing could backfire. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be kind of like Batman versus Superman. I mean, that, no matter what, you know, it's still... It'll be it's dark. It's going to be that... I mean, if you didn't love Batman versus Superman, the extended cut, you're probably not going to love the Snyder cut of Justice League either. And, and again, I'm not saying, like, I want a whole universe to model the Snyder cut or the Snyder verse or whatever it's called. Um, but I do want to see what the guy envisioned because what we got was, well, I do too. I do too. And, and you know, uh, when, when you, when you, when you find out that the reason he even left the project in the first place wasn't creative problems he was having with Warner brothers. Yeah. His daughter committed suicide. Yeah. And he, he had to step back and, walk away from everything and, and be with his family and get his mind clear and mourn and all that stuff. And so at the same time, you're like, you would think Mar uh, uh, the DC and Warner brothers would have waited for him, but they didn't, you know, they, they had deadlines. They had, you know, they had already spent $350 million making his cut. Cause it was supposed to be two films cut into, I mean, it was just insane. It was, I think it was going to go to $500 million total, yeah. like the whole budget for the thing. I, I'm curious about all that still though. Like I, I, I mean, it's horrible what happened to his kid and, um, but I just knowing how Hollywood works, I would, wouldn't be surprised if that was a convenient excuse to let him go. Because it seems to me like the way every... That's a horrible excuse. They could have fired him if they wanted to. Well, I that's think, a better you know? way to save face for him. It's like, you know, the tragedy is a good explanation of why he would step back. And maybe the studio didn't so much say that, but was like, you know, you should be doing this right now. And we've got dates to hit. So you should go focus on that and we'll handle it from here. And pretty much could have said, like, that's how it's going to play out. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, well, I'm stepping back for my family. 
because it did seem like because I remember following the development of that, you know, in real time. Oh, it, it was like it was already on like its last legs. Well, because you had Batman versus Super come the uh, Superman come out, and then it you know was pretty much not hated, but it didn't get a lot of love from the the demographic they were chasing. You know what I'm saying? And so like, and right. so. Then at the time, Joss Whedon just finishes, you know, Avengers 2, and then he comes on board to do, I think it was Batgirl initially to write the scripts for that. So he's in the room, right, and this was all before that happened, and I guarantee he saw a cut of it, and was he had the sentiments of the, the, the crowd being like, well, we want a more hopeful, optimistic Superman. So you got executives being like, Here's a guy at the time who gave us one of the highest grossing movies, you know, of all time. Avengers. Top five. Yeah. With Avengers. And, you know, he just did Avengers two. So everyone loves what he's done. Why sh are we li not listening to him? And then, you know, I could easily see them because then he moved quickly from writing Batgirl to, oh, you're now going to take over Justice League. And then the way and like now hearing is 80 pages that they redid of Justice League. That's, That's huge. He pretty much reshot the entire movie. And then, you know, it just blows me away. So I think that was my big issue with Warner Brothers and DC about that whole thing is the minute they saw the backlash from Batman versus Superman, they should have hit pause. They freaked out. Even though they had like six right. months of development on Justice League, they should have hit pause because like all this means nothing if the audience doesn't like it. You know, and then That's pushed exactly it out. Right. And I don't know why everyone's so afraid to push. Like, if they have a deadline, a date for a movie, why they're so afraid? Because it's called show business and it's a business and they have shareholders and they have to turn profits. And that's really what it was. It was all, that's where they, they screwed up. They yeah. weren't thinking about the creativity and the content. They were thinking about the dollars and they wanted, they were chasing that Avenger money. They were chasing right. that Marvel money. But if they money, do good Disney, stuff, Disney they'll money. get that money. Because if it's good, usually you'll get the money. People will go yeah. see it. Yeah. So. Uh, speaking of um, Marvel, uh, I, there was a report. There, there was an interview done with Frank Grillo. Yeah. Who played, what was he, Bone Cro Crusher? Uh, or cross bone, Bones. Crossbow. Crossbones. Like whatever. Yeah, I think crossbow. Crossbones. Yeah. yeah. He was part of the. Uh, Captain uh, America. Hail Hydra. Yeah. Captain America. He was, Yeah. Well, apparently, like, you know, they're asking him, are you, would you come back? Are you going to do some more Marvel stuff? Blah, 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 blah. And he was like, nah, man. Like, I'm 55. I'm tired and I'm worn out. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I I just turned 45. And uh, I wake up every morning and when my knees hit the floor, when my legs hit the floor, both knees pop. It sounds like <laughs> pop rocks. Yeah. And then... Everything is like, oh, my God. And then these guys, they do the superhero training workouts. You know, it's different when you're Chris Hemsworth. You're in your 30s. You start hitting 55. <laughs> yeah. You start hitting 60. Like, do you really have it in you anymore? And it was refreshing to hear Frank say that he'd rather do, <laughs> you know, romantic comedies or something like that that doesn't. And the same thing would happen with uh, Hugh Jackman constantly right. working out as the Wolverine spending six months eating egg whites is just a horrible yeah. way to live. Yeah. I mean, uh, cause I, I actually just saw him on billions. He's on that now. And, uh, 
And I read that thing too. And I get what he's saying because, you know, and I can see what he means that the Marvel movies aren't really, I don't want to say this without pissing people off. It's not like it's art. Like you don't go into a Marvel movie to show off your acting abilities because it is so right. It is so like sterilized and broken down, you know, where you might, sure. you know, everything is previs. There's not much room for, uh, you know, spontaneity on the set where you can go in and be an actor and really get into a character, you know, it's a formula and they got, heavily cgi'd formula at that like when you're not on a real set like we saw in the prequels of star wars where you're acting everywhere as a green screen and stuff like that you know and when you go and look at the behind the scenes of most of the modern marvel films they're pretty much all green screen like avengers infinity war and endgame was mostly green screen like all those planets they were on that was all green screen work so i could get if you're just showing up, you got to look a certain way, follow a certain diet, you know, exercise this much, uh, be probably squeaky clean on social media. I mean, James Gunn's experience, you know, and like it's you buy, you get in and you were on the lot when Iron Man 3 came to Wilmington and how like crazy, you know, security went up and how they were real hardcore on the studio. Oh, yeah. To get into the stages, you had to have these key card accesses and swipe into the stages and they would track you on the lot, like where you were. And you had to allow them on your personal laptops at work to install their spyware. Yeah. So that they could track if you were leaking stuff to the media. I mean, Marvel is, they were hardcore. Right. And, you know? and so you, uh, and they, I was where I was working on uh, where the Millers with Jennifer Aniston and Jason Sudeikis when uh, uh, Iron Man three was shooting in town. So I didn't get to work on it, but I had a lot of friends on it and, you know, it's, it's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I had friends working on Iron Man three too, and I just heard all about it. Like how the, the security went crazy on the, uh, on the studio lot. And I mean, so again, it's like, it probably takes all the fun out of it and really makes it more of a job. You know, the crew, they'll always kind of have fun doing what they do, you know, on the sides. But for an actor, I can see why that's probably not as fun it's great for a payday and to get your brand up there and you know get that fame that you probably want but outside of that i don't think i mean i'm sure they love it that all the people love those movies and their characters but i don't know if they're getting fulfilled as actors doing those kind of movies so i completely understand what he's saying it i mean you don't go to a marvel movie to show how great of an actor you are yeah, I mean, you like when you get Chris Hemsworth, he gets to do a movie like Thor, make a ton of money, and then do a movie like Extraction. Right. You know, yeah. that that's really how that goes. Do, did you hear about Netflix and Space Space Force? Not really. So catch me up on it. Well, first of all, I haven't watched it. I did. And everybody everybody on social media said it was awful. Did you I watch did it? I did watch it. I like I was kind of not thrilled that they because for me I'm a huge space nerd I love space I love NASA I love all that stuff and I kind of felt like and I get it's it's a comedy but it just was kind of a rub me the wrong way a little bit that they're gonna make fun of it and probably because the president you know created it that it's all a big joke right. whereas if another president had created it people would be it would probably have been more like uh for all mankind on Apple TV, you know, or something glorifying it than making fun of it. 
And then when you watch it, it's just not, it feels like it's trying too hard. And honestly, I heard it wasn't funny. I heard a lot of people said it just it wasn't just, funny. It was, That's why I've been hesitant to get into it. And then I heard Steve Carell's not even in the whole thing. He's in every episode. I mean, is I, he in every for me, episode? John Malkovich was the only thing that made that thing good. Like, uh, like he's, he's <laughs> the best character in it. I mean, and Steve, not taking away from Steve Carell, he's funny in it. I mean, he has his moments, and he's very much... Did he dial it in? Was it dialed no, in? No, I, I mean, it felt very much like he was doing Michael Scott in the Army. You know, he was a little more competent than Michael Scott was from The Office, but it was still Michael Scott, essentially. It was his shtick. Kind of. Right. And, um, and I don't know, it just wasn't... It wasn't as funny as The Office. And then they, and also. Do you think I should watch it? Do you think the, watch, the wife and I should sit down? I mean, and watch. You can check it out. It's Force? only 10 episodes. We, she, well, she loves, you know, The Office. Yeah. Is she, is she, would she like it? Uh, Holly didn't love it, like after she saw it. So, Ooh. Ooh. like, she was kind of like, eh, afterwards. So, I mean, I, it's worth checking out. But a thing I think where they missed it, I think. The idea of creating a military branch, I can see where there's humor in that because just the bureaucracy in Washington is ridiculous. So you can have lots of fun just in that alone. But they went fantastical with it a little bit too much because, like, there's a scene where they went Animal House with it. Well, even beyond that, like, they went unrealistic with it. Like, there's a scene where, like, three people get selected to go to on this mission at the last minute. That would never happen ever. Ever, ever, ever. They would have alternates and all that stuff. So that would never happen. And then there's a scene where this lady, what, uh, this lady's in the shuttle going to the moon, I think, or Mars or wherever they were going. And she's got like a parrot in her helmet with her. And I'm like, if you would have kept it grounded in reality and just sort of made fun at the ridiculousness of government and like all the red tape that's involved with it, that could have been really funny because that's sort of how the office was, you know? It grounded in reality and how ridiculous an office environment can be. But this, when you got like parrots in someone's helmet, it's like you're just being dumb at this point. It's not even, it's like that dumb joke funny that's not even funny. Uh, the writer's room on that. Can you imagine? Hey, we could have a parrot inside yeah. someone's helmet. It yeah, I don't know. Fun. Okay, well, well maybe, we'll, maybe we'll check it out. Maybe we'll check it out. Um, but I think the, the, the whole thing that's tripping me out is, you know, Netflix had copywritten uh, Space Force yeah. before the United States government had a chance to do it. So now <laughs> the government, in order to sell merchandise and do things and everything, they have to pay Netflix wow. or come or figure out how to buy the patent, the copyright from them. Hmm in order to do it. And I think that is hysterical. So I'm, I'm just interested to see how that's going to play out and how much Netflix is going to get for the use of space force. And you know what? I, I think the whole idea may not have been made fun of so much if it wasn't the title of what it is space force. I think like if you'd have come up with something better, yeah, like NASA, you know, national aeronautic space agency, yeah. you know, NASA's cool, you know, or administration that's cool. Right? Space Force. To me, every time I hear it, I think of Space Ghost. Space Ghost. And I I just am like, really? If I was them, I would rebrand and call it the military something else. Because you can't have that kind of bullshit where you're having to get pay someone. A government shouldn't be paying anyone 
to be the name of their thing to do stuff for it. That's ridiculous. So change it to well, Star but, but, Force or some stupid stuff like that. I don't know. Oh God, Star Wars. Just change it to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah it could uh, that would be better. Something, no, no, <laughs> Lucas Lucasfilm would be yeah. down them uh, in a heartbeat. I had no idea that they were doing another Evil Dead film. Did you know about this? I saw an Evil Dead Now post show up in my feed, but I was just like, I didn't even click on it because I was like, I had heard Bruce Campbell officially said he was done with Ash. So once he said he was done, I yeah, was Yeah, after, after, after the Stars show, right? Uh, yeah, that Ash was versus Ash, Evil Dead. Ash versus, versus the Evil yeah. Dead. And, well, apparently he's coming back oh. to do Evil Dead Now. And Sam Raimi handpicked the director who's directing this new one. And I, I'm just like, how is that going to work? I mean, I, I've, I like the evil dead too. And I like army of darkness. I couldn't get into the stars show. I don't know why yeah. I just couldn't get into it. Did you like it? I tried watching the Stars show and it had, mo I think because it wasn't Ash, it was like him and his two sidekicks. And then they kind of, that for me, it's like because what made funny was just watching Ash being dropped into stupid situations. Like that to me is like that's what I loved about Army of Darkness was just watching him just be a dick to all these a people. A fish out of water because he just wants. To, yeah. He's like a selfish dick. He just wants to get home and he doesn't give a shit who he screws over to do it. You know, he kind of feels bad in the end to make it right. But I mean, that's what was great about Armies of Darkness and what was so fun about that how they morphed the Ash character from just some guy trying to survive in a cabin, you know, in the first Evil Dead to a little yeah. more campy in Evil Dead 2 to Army of Darkness, which is more of a comedy than a horror movie, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, with the, I mean, to me, with the, with the whole, the skeletons and the Three Stooges, oh, yeah, yeah. point, 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 point. I mean, it's funny because you didn't have to see the first two Evil Dead films, although if you missed Evil Dead 2, you missed yeah, a hell yeah. of a movie. Him going but, insane in the cabin. Oh, that's gold. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All the different angles and everything. But, I mean, and then, but they the way they recapped the first two movies in the first three or four minutes of Army of Darkness, <laughs> you know, you didn't have to see the other two to get into no. this one. Like and it was a standalone a movie on its own. <laughs> You understood everything. <laughs> I had to cut my hand off, <laughs> you know, and all that. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, they explained it. And, um, an army or evil dead. Now I'm kind of like, well, after Ash versus the evil dead, it's like, where do you go with it? He's already gone back in time to fight the deadites and then back into the future into his time. And then if I, it's like, where do you go? You know, they already tried to reboot it as a hardcore horror film, and that tanked at the box office. Nobody right. wanted to go see that. You know, so I, I'm I'm worried that yeah. that they're jumping the shark again and again on this thing. But is it because people just love Bruce Campbell and they love that property and Sam Raimi? It's it's almost like Sam Raimi. That was what got him his big start yeah. in the film industry. And even though he's doing all the stuff he's doing now, and then what's the superhero film he's directing now? I don't even know. It's not another. He's directing a Thor. No, um, he got tapped to direct something from for Marvel. I vaguely remember that. Was it Spider Man? I thought he was something to do with 
Spider-Man, but I could be wrong. Venom? No. Maybe Venom. It might have been that. The new Venom. I don't. Well, either way, I feel like like he's he's done all this stuff, but he still, for some reason, keeps tinkering in this world. It's almost like Lucas. Like Lucas yeah. had done a couple of other films, but he could never let go of the Star Wars universe. And I feel like the Deadites and all this kind of stuff, and the Book of the Dead, and everything with Sam Raimi is is he can't let go. Yeah, I mean, and for me, Bruce Campbell is what makes those movies worth watching. I mean, Sam Raimi did a great job directing, but like for me, it was Bruce Campbell is why I watched them at the end of the day, not because of directing choices or whatever, other than the choice to let him be funny and, you know, be a star. Um, but I do think like, that's why the one, the reboot failed because, you know, it's just some people getting killed in a cabin in the woods. You've seen that movie a million times, but right. Bruce Campbell, and that's why evil dead two stood out so much. Cause it was a horror film but it also had some campy fun moments in it that so you kind of got both things but it cuz the parts that were scary were really kind of scary like you know and then yeah. but then when it was funny it was really kind of like absurdly funny like when he's looking in the hole dead by dawn dead well by the dawn, hand that or, runs into know. the wall and he's like looking and through the hole and then all of a sudden blood just comes <laughs> pouring out of it cuz it's like he shoots it in the wall, and I think blood starts leaking out, and he goes to look to see if he killed and it. It's in his mouth. Yeah, it sprays. And I mean, just that's ridiculous, but it's also fucking hilarious at the same time. So that that's what was so great about and it. And it was the Evil Dead too when the when the the one took her head off and she, in the stop motion, <laughs> it was claymation, and she like rolled it to <laughs> yeah, her hand yeah. and rolled it back and put it back on. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, our favorite line: I "There's mean, something down here." <laughs> that still makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they throw him down. That's the guy he's trying. No, so like Bruce Campbell oh. makes those movies, and it's like, yeah, you can't make you can't make an Evil Dead property without him. And I think that's why. But do we want? Do it's it's almost like Indiana Jones. Like, do we want to see an eighty year old Bruce Campbell still fighting the Deadites at some point? Well, that actually might. I think that's be good. I think that's why the show didn't do so hot because it was it took more of the spotlight off of ash and put it on his companions that were in it and that's fine i guess you know in a show you can't just have one guy all the time without anyone to interact with but i do think yeah. that's sort of what was the magic of those other movies was he was the star of the movie and all the stories and everything focused on him you know like that he was the main focus of the movie so I think if they go back to that and give us something like Evil Dead, like or I mean not Evil Dead but uh, Army of Darkness with you know Evil Dead now, that would be amazing. I would love that. Well, it's in the works, so we'll have to see how it plant plays out. Did you see the Bill and Ted's trailer? Yes, I did. What'd you think? I tell feel me. like tell it's me your thoughts. Like too late. I feel like they waited too long to make that movie. Uh, I mean, I was mildly entertained by it but it's like for me weird watching keanu act like he's 20 again when he's clearly like in his 50s or whatever and i've just watched him in john wick just de decimate people so it's like weird to see him be this kind of doofy idiot again and then it's just i don't know man i just don't i think it's too too late i don't know if the kids today will even care about it well i mean the obviously i mean they made it for us yeah who went and saw the first two films in the theater 
Um, and I think it just was this one gestating project for decades trying to get it off the ground, yeah. you know, and, and I watched that whole trailer and I didn't laugh until the end with the body suits when they were in jail, when they met each other, the whole premise that they, they need to go into the future to find out the song that they right. wrote because they didn't write the song yet. And then they see themselves and they're in prison and they're there. They were jacked with those <laughs> yeah. rubber like muscle suits. That was the only thing that made me laugh yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. I mean, and I went, I went, Ooh, I feel like I should have. And even when like death and all them were like, like I didn't, I didn't get the visceral reaction I had when I was 12. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think, I think, if you would have done it after the Matrix, probably would have done a lot better because he had the money. I mean, he gave he made so much money he gave it to as bonus checks to crew members. So it's like he was a well. You hear that? I don't know if that's actually real. That's true. I mean, that's a rumor. That's a rumor. But, but I mean, he clearly made enough money where I and after that he had enough influence where he probably could have got that done if he really wanted to do it after the Matrix, and that probably would have been better. But I mean. Well, that's like 30 years ago. Like who, 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 like I'm, I'm old enough now where that kind of humor doesn't really appeal to me as much. It's sort of like Adam Sandler. He was amazing when I was younger, but older, like his shtick wore off. Like, you know, as you get older, yeah, like, I don't, I don't find this funny like I used to. So, yeah, I know that's weird. Yeah. Um, Growing up. so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous for it. And I'm almost wondering if v VOD might be the way to go and not do a release in theaters on that one. I, I mean, I feel like they're going to release it to theaters. I don't, I'll be surprised if it does well. Like, I I think it'll probably generate some money, but I don't think it's going to be a, a huge hit. But who knows? It might. Well, if anything, the budget's probably small. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I would say it's a, I'd say it's probably like a $40 million movie. So they don't have much to cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And considering, like, we've talked about how with technology getting so cheap now, you could probably make, like, they have probably technology at a place where they could make a cheap movie that, you know, not have to invest so much CGI and stuff like that into. So I, I wanted to spend the last couple of minutes touching on some things that have been going on. I mean, we all know we've got, lot of stuff going on in the world right now with COVID-19 and with the, uh, the, the protests for injustice, but this, you know, they're, the cancel culture is really, they're going after people left and right. You know, this guy, um, Hartley Sawyer from the, uh, what is it? The, the, that's your show, the flash. Yeah. What, what's his character? He was the elongated man it was basically like plastic man like the stretchy, which I, I personally hated that character. Like, and he was on it for like two seasons, right? Uh, maybe more than that. I mean, that's what yeah. I read. And, uh, and they fired him because of some tweets from 2014. Right. And, uh, um, and they were misogynist. I went back, you know, cause of course, you know, somebody had a, a thread with all of the different tweets that he had put. Some of them were like, okay, dude, that's like, you know, He's like 15 years old or 16 years old, drunk one night at three in the morning and he sends out something or whatever. And then, but then like one of them, I, I mean, it's, I laughed, which was, but I felt so bad, but like, I couldn't understand where his mindset was. I laughed not because I agreed with it, but he, one of his tweets was, um, if, 
and it was a, it it was like at three twenty four in the afternoon. Just a random tweet that was like, "If I was married, I'd uh, I'd beat my wife right now." LOL. And I just thought, like, who? Yeah, sends that well, out. I think it's sort of the same thing with like James Gunn, would, where because back then. No one ever thought you could be fired, really, even in 2014, because cancel culture hasn't hadn't ramped up to the point where, like, until the Me Too movie. Really, I mean, because like, and that's the thing is like, people would just say stuff for shock value to get people talking. It's like because you joke around and say stuff like, uh, sometimes you got to throw chum in the water just to like, you know, stir up the pot. Yeah, and I think people yeah. would just say, and again, it's hard to take someone's real like to hold them to a meaning from like a. 140 character tweet you know it's like you don't know what they intent they had on that i mean if he might have just been saying something stupid as a joke and it might have just been for a friend because no one really took it as one day these are going to come back and be used to get me fired you know because if that was the case no one would have ever if twitter probably wouldn't even been popular if people knew it would be weaponized against them later on you know so yeah yeah so because there's a lot there's a lot of things that people just throw out there that you're like, oh yeah, that's going to come back to bite you, you know? But at the same time, if you're 15 years old and now you're like, it's five years later, six or seven years later, you're 21. When you said something, when you were 15 and you're 21, now you're on a hit television show and you were just being a smart ass. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't understand how they, they, how the people, the powers that be that shut stuff down, they don't weigh out like the kid was a 15 year old kid who was playing right, video yeah. games and was drinking and chumming up. And I mean, obviously a 15 year old isn't going to be married right. and why would he beat his, I mean, it's like you have to, he was just, so I'm not defending the guy. I'm just saying, it's just really crazy. Cause then you, you know, you look at, um, we were talking about this earlier, uh, 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 you know, they canceled the show Cops after 33 years, yeah. 33 seasons. Cops was on since I was a kid. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched the show Cops probably uh, ever in the last I didn't know it was years. still on. <laughs> like, I hadn't watched it since yeah. the 90s, so I didn't even know it was still on. And, and I didn't even think about the show until Bad Boys for Life came right. out when they started up with the song again. Because that was really why anybody ever watched Cops in the first place, because of the song. <laughs> yeah. Bad boys, bad boy, what you gonna do? Yeah. And then, you know... But now they've uh, they've canceled it, and I almost feel like uh, it was Paramount took an opportunity to just get rid of something they have been throwing money at for thirty three years, yeah. Um, because of the current climate, and then you know, then you look at you know Fox. I I think it's on Fox. Is L.A.'s finest uh, is a show about cops. They've delayed going into production into season three, yeah, because of everything that's going on right now, and um. So it's just, you know, and then you got Warner Brothers, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam aren't going to have their, uh, Elmer Fudd's no longer a hunter. He's not going to have his shotgun with him. And Yosemite Sam's not going to have his pirate guns or his cowboy yeah, guns. Yeah. There's no more gun, no, no more guns for Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam. Um, and then, you know, it's funny cause I, I worked on a show for HBO called Little Britain USA, which was, uh, um, it was a show that ran from the eighties on up over in, uh, over in Europe called little Britain. And now they, they've pulled that off the air because they had a couple of episodes that where they did blackface. Mm. But if you've ever watched, um, uh, uh, little Britain, they're always 
playing characters. sketch comedy characters and putting full body suits on fat suits, all sorts of stuff. So yeah. like, um, the, the, it was a, it was in a comical setting. It's almost like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. You know, Tropic when he Thunder. did, um, yeah. Tropic Thunder. And I'm just so surprised that like, you know, the outrage isn't there for that, but it's there for this and, and so on and so on. And, um, and then there was this other comedian down in Australia that had a comedy show and four of his episodes where he did blackface have been pulled from all the episodes of his show. Yeah. They're just taken off the air. And, um, so it's just, it's just a weird, it's just, it's not a weird time to be in. Um, but it's just, you know, it's when you, when you go on Disney plus and you watch a show from back in the day, it gives you a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, the cartoon characters are smoking cigarettes or something, you know, at the top, like this was shot during a time when, you know, and then people were getting all crazy because gone with the wind had just been pulled yeah. down from HBO max. But I think it's cause they're going to, they're restoring it and they're going to put out the 4k, you know, 3d or scanned, you know, wet scanned original print cleaned up the whole nine yards. They're not going to edit it or anything, but you know, people are like, well, it's the current climate, you know, you can't, own slaves or whatever gone with the wind back and we get all that but i think like uh, in general they they should just have these disclaimers before shows that are dated television yeah. movies that are dated from back in the day because somebody could be upset about anything you know that could have gone down in the 80s or s something like that and so it's just really odd it's just a really weird time yeah right now and uh and and i hope that you know the world can heal uh, and get back on track, but it's just, you know, I don't even know where to go with it. You know, well, I'm just not a big fan of censorship period. I think it's a, it's a scary territory when you start censoring people and things, because where does it stop and who's censoring? Like who's to say that person's right. And then what if the dynamic flips and then the, the other group is censoring. I, I think that's sort of what's great about America in the, you know, with freedom of speech is allowing Everyone, because like Joe Rogan has a great thing he always says where, you know, let everything be out there because good ideas usually be bad ideas. And I do think, and you should be able to hear all opinions or voices and be able to be like, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's saying. Or like, I don't right. agree with that. I still think you should do that. And especially with movies and TV, I mean, I think it's important for people to, you know, if it's something's blatantly racist, yeah, get rid of it, you know, but, um, but if it's something like, you know, these were the times, people should see that so they can see how much we've progressed. Because if you, you know, wash all that away and then people are like, this is how bad it was back then, they have no frame of reference of what you were talking about. Whereas. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it, I mean, if you look at like a, a television show like All in the Family, that would never fly today. Yeah. You could never get All in the Family on television today. Never, well, never, ever, ever, ever. And when even when they did that reboot of it, uh, where they did one episode and they had like, uh, uh, what's oh, his yeah, name what played saying. Archie Bunker. Um, uh, 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 what's, uh, uh, his name slipping me. Woody from cheers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't, I vaguely remember something about that back in the day, but. Well, no, I mean, it was just literally last year. Oh really? I, yeah, they did. They did one episode of all in the family and one episode of the Jeffersons and Jamie Foxx played. Was that live uh, or something? Uh, it was live. Oh, those yeah, live yeah. Uh, live shows. Yeah. It was Woody Harrelson. That's who it yeah, was. Yeah. It was Woody Harrelson, which I thought was miscast. They should have gotten somebody that looked more like Carol, Carol O'Connor. Um, 
but, but I just, you know, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I am when it comes to stuff like it's, it's like what Joe Rogan had said, uh, something very similar. I always say is like when they, when they want to talk about banning the rebel, the rebel flag, I always say, no, we need to, we need to see the people waving them. So we know where the assholes are. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. just like, you know, the minute you get rid of something like that, then you don't, then the people go hide under the rocks. Well, you don't know who they the are. Biggest problem and it's important. It's important for us to see, yeah. you know, who these people are. Um, but then it looks like, you know, there was an op-ed in the Washington post about, um, uh, they should cancel all cop shows, uh, special law, law and order, special victims unit, all these procedurals, all this other kind of stuff. They're just, you know, cancel all the cop movies and, and everything. And, you know, you know, I've got my ballistic cop script that I've been shopping around. My agent's been shopping around uh, uh, for a couple of years now, um, trying to get that off the ground. And so now, you know, they, they want to, you know, cancel everything like, you know, lethal weapon because, you know, they're, they're good cops in Lethal Weapon, but they have to break the rules in order to solve the capers, so they're not doing it proper. Right. You know, it's like like how like there's no drama. You know, like you got to have an action film. You got to have something like Lethal Weapon or you know these these movies. And when you start going down that rabbit hole, um, it's a scary place to go. Yeah. Uh, but it is it's it's interesting to see that you know the the world is changing. Um, uh, but I feel like with the cancel culture thing, it's getting a little crazy, uh, especially when you go, you're taking this guy, you know, off, off the flash and, you know, he's done two or three seasons and he's ready to go and he's excited. And then, then he's having to put on an apology and he loses his livelihood yeah. altogether. And then like now no one will touch him. Well, I'm not a fan of this cause it just seems like little babies on the internet crying and demanding things. And you shouldn't, you don't do that as a parent or good parents don't just give their kids everything they want because they'll ask for everything. And that's sort of where we're at now. It's like, you know, and also it's sort of desensitizing from real crime or real bad things. Cause we kind of saw this in the me too movement where everybody was me too. It seemed like, and you're taking like for like the Al Franken thing was sort of like, he got me too, but Comparing him to what Harvey Weinstein did is fucking ridiculous. Cause yeah, you can't. It was yeah. like because Harvey Weinstein was a fucking rapist and gross. Like he was a piece of shit that deserved not to be around anymore. And so it's like yeah, totally. So you when you basically make them all have the same weight in a way, you know, I'm not saying like what he did was okay either, but to get him out of Congress because of that is a little ridiculous. Oh come on, look, I saw that picture where she's passed out in the C one thirty, and he's like, you know, he wasn't, his, well, his, hand, his you can hands see the shadow on under his hands where he clearly yeah, wasn't his touching. Hand, them. You know, Al Franken was like not touching right. them, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and I just like, for me, I think like, especially a 15 year old who's now a 21 year old or whatever on a television show, the mind of a 15 year old who doesn't even have a driver's license yet to drive a car. We were all 15 years old. It's like to hold people completely, to what they said six, seven years ago. And, and we've had these conversations before. There's like only like 38 million people on Twitter. Right. And we've got 340 million people in the United States. And so you just got a very small minority of people screaming at another small minority of people. Right. It's not real life. Right. And they're all, it's basically, it's not, Twitter's not real life and people are in their bubbles. Right. And, uh, uh, yeah. So it's it's a shame that like these fringe groups, 
basically dictating how businesses are run because basically at this point, all companies, all it takes is a handful of people to go scream at them about or start a start petition a thing, that gets 3,000 signatures. They then... want to make money. So they immediately apologize, which gives that group power in a, in a way. And so that you just keep seeing it get more extreme and more extreme to the point now where people are literally being fired from stuff for, you know, offending or someone who deems being offended. You know, it's like, well, I you could say that about everything. Someone could be offended literally by almost everything. Who's to say they're right? Dude, somebody could be offended by this show. Oh, I'm sure there's people offended by this. <laughs> like, you know, just by us yeah, talking. Yeah. Like, there's, you, you can't, it's like, it's sort of like world peace. We all want it, but it's never going to happen because people are flawed and just that's just human nature. We all are striving to be better. Like, that's the thing, you know, and it's just, it's a long road to get there. It's and, not Star Trek yet, you know, so. And this is, and this is why I'm kind of happy there is one light in this world right now and it's the bts army yeah and bts i hate to say i mean look i'm not going to say i hate to say it the bts that band and what they do and the the spiritual stuff that they put out about being kind and being good to people and all this kind of stuff is so good and i don't know if you you saw i know your sister did um where they jumped on twitter when you know, the black lives matter was, was out there, but then they, the white supremacists started trending like white lives matter and BTS, you know, ratioed them out, took the hashtag and just ray shielded them out and just put nothing but BTS content up about love and, and all this kind of stuff in their music videos. And they literally like just stole that entire a hashtag and watered it down to the point where like they gave up on it. Right. And they've done it two other times. Uh, there was another one uh, that, that they, that they grabbed the other day that was getting steam and they just like destroyed it. And they're a global movement and they just want to be kind. And I think that's really kind of cool. And um, I'm excited that, you know, we've got the other uh, channel uh, BTS reactor um, uh, where I do a lot of BTS reactions and there's over 30 BTS reactions over on BTS reactor. We'll make sure we put that in the comment section below uh, or the description below. So people go link to that if they want to, but I, I, I you know, and I, I got to thank your sister for turning me on to BTS too, because, uh, uh, I know my first BTS reaction was crazy because I really didn't know what I was looking at. Right. And I, I almost, I was borderline, you know, like making fun of it because I didn't, I didn't understand it. And then of course, when the BTS army like embraced my channel and like started blowing up my comment section and started explaining things to me, that's when I was like, Oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll do another one. I'll do it. And then now all of a sudden, you know, they are, you know, a- I know all, I, I know the songs. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I know all the, uh, um, uh, you know, all the bands I've got my own bias you know, and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool, man. I, I just, we haven't, we, this is like episode, what, six or seven of the podcast. I just haven't had a chance to to talk about BTS and just thank them and thank the BTS army for just, uh, uh, being such a positive, uh, influence in the world. Cause we, da- yeah. we damn sure can't, can't keep going the way we're going. So maybe yeah. we should listen to every, all the K-pop bands in South Korea that are all, that are all positive. Well, I mean, I'll say the just watching the comments from the, you know, BTS Army people in your videos, they definitely are very nice, like very p- positive, nice people. Yeah, cuz you could you could go over to other people's channels and 
they're ranting yeah. and raving and going nuts, uh, uh, you know, uh, whether it's politics or this, that, and the other, or just ripping down Star Wars. Like, Star Wars fans are almost vile compared to, like, you know, the BTS, they're all, yeah. like, angels compared to, like, Star Wars fans. Yeah. Um, because they get in their camps and then they don't, they don't budge. We're guilty of that too. Oh, totally. Um, but, uh, but I don't rip people down on their pages and no, stuff, no. but, but yeah, it's really nice to see in the comment section, all the BTS army yeah, they're, being kind and good. Yeah. People. It's nice to know that that still exists out there somewhere. People just want to be <laughs> nice to each other. <laughs> people just wanting to be nice yeah. to each other. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Maybe they can get some air if they got airplay in the United States. Yeah, you've been saying that for a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm BTS honestly, needs a serious airplay. I'm honestly shocked that they're not because as big as they are globally, it's kind of insane that you. They're the number one band in the in the right. world. So it's kind of weird you never hear them on the radio, like ever. They had three. They released three albums that went to number one in one year. No other band has ever done that except the Beatles. And BTS did that. Wow. Like, you got to admit, like, these guys are, they're off the chain. And, you know, you may occasionally hear them in Target or Walmart. Right. In their Muzak <laughs> yeah, playlist. Yeah. But uh, the the airwaves, I think they're afraid to put them on here because people would, would do what they do globally. Yeah. And they have a fan base in the United States. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Big one. But, but if they got airplay... I think people are scared that if they got airplay, they would literally take over like they do globally. I think there's a lot of artists that are sweating that because they don't sell like, you know, Beyonce, none of these people sell like BTS. Well, it's because, I mean, everyone kind of shits on everybody. Like that's kind of the American shtick is like just shitting on somebody else. And it's weird when you have a group who's the opposite of that, just trying to be positive and like put that out in the world. And so it is a little different. Um, maybe that's, you know, says something about our country, but I don't know. It's, I mean, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I do We're think a bunch people, of selfish assholes that suck, <laughs> but I do think people, there's a large majority in this country that do want hope and positive messages. We just don't see it as much because I guess it doesn't sell as well, but yeah. Well, I hope people go over and check out my other channel. And, uh, once again, Stu, I appreciate you chumming it out with me today. Yeah. And, uh, it was a good show. Yeah, man.